Yeah, so let's remember, it's the tracking systems, it's the metrics, it's the reporting systems that give us visibility into the business, right? So remember, what, we, what we're desiring is visibility because that, again, gets back to the control and the peace of mind. Hello and welcome to the Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franson. Welcome back to another episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. I'm Dr. Pete Camiolo. And I'm Dr. Stephen Franson. And we're thrilled to be with you here. And we are at part three of a three-part series. Today is part three for you in the series on delegation methodology, becoming masters of delegation, because you know by now, if you've been listening, and if not, that the transition from going from owner-operator to the CEO really boils down to becoming a master delegator. That's the bridge in the big gap that so many of us have experienced or are experiencing or will experience is, is in delegation. And so we want you to be masters in this process. So we have been through seven of 10 very specific steps that you're going to go through in this process. And so I'm going to uh, recap those just briefly here now, and then we're going to dive into the last three steps of this remarkable process. I will tell you, if you're just tuning in now for the first, go back at least and listen to the previous two episodes before this one the part one and part two, it'll make a lot more sense because we're actually going to tie it all together here today and button it up for you. The first step is identify specific desired outcomes. Again, this is these are the 10 steps to, to becoming a master delegator and also to delegating with mastery. That's number one, identify specific desired outcomes. Number two, identify the actions that produce the outcomes. Number three, apply the 80% rule of delegation, which says, if this is not in my zone of genius, this is not my position of strength, I have to delegate this, right? So it's identifying what is the thing that you need to take from your responsibility and pass to another because it's not your sweet spot. It's not your zone of genius. And identifying the best qualified team member basically means it is theirs. So finding the person that gets it, that wants it, that has the capacity to do it. So you apply the 80% rule and then you delegate to the best qualified team member. Step five is setting expectations and agreements. And we talked about this is about writing it down and transferring this to that person or that individual who's taking responsibility. Number six is incentivize, which is again about accountability, rewards and consequences for the performance. And that's followed with which was our last, what we ended with on our last episode, which is training and equipping. And we talked about how the best investment you can make, the highest ROI investment you will make in your business, hands down by far, is training and equipping your team. And far below that number two is marketing. And as a leader, it's your responsibility to train and equip and make sure that your team members are being trained and equipped. And so we're riding that that wave as we get into what we're going to begin now talking about this is the last three steps of delegation mastery. And this first step of the last three is metrics, tracking, and the reporting system. 
Yeah, Dr. P, just keeping with the illustrations, the examples that you know you use from your practice, which was putting together a fitness program for your patients, um, you began with the end in mind. You knew like, man, busy chiropractor, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the role of CEO. I've delegated uh, so much of the uh, patient care and the adjusting to my highly qualified associate doctors because I knew that they could do it at least 80% as well as I did, right? So it's like, okay, check. That's the 80% role. I can delegate patient care not all the patient care, just you don't have to do all thousand adjustments a week, right? That's not scalable. That's not durable. And we both know it's not sustainable. Therefore, it's not transferable, right? So that's a job, not a business. So you've successfully done so much of that with you know, delegating away so much of the patient care. Now we're like, let's start a fitness program. It's like, well, you freed up some of your time, energy, and focus from, from bending over bodies, adjusting and being in the adjustatorium all day. Although you love that, and you love the work and it's your highest calling and it's your highest purpose. You're like, let me free myself up so that I can create this next level of service for our business, right? And a new revenue vertical, right? So the next thing you know, you're starting this with this program for fitness for your patients because you knew it was, it was congruent with your vision story and you knew that it was necessary, right? So you said, begin with the end in mind. I know that I'm not going to want to become a personal trainer. So I know I'm going to have to delegate this to somebody. So you can get it started with your eye on the person that you want to delegate it to, and then you're going to delegate it to them and hand it off to them. That, you know, you've, dis you've identified the specific desired outcomes of creating a fitness program for your people. You've identified the actions that produce those outcomes, which is regular functional training. You've applied the 80% rule of delegation. You said, you know what? I got somebody here in my ecosystem who could do this at least 80% as well as I do, right? And I think they get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it well. You found that person. You sat down, set expectations and agreements with them. You're super clear about what we're trying to do here, what it's going to take for this to happen, what we expect of you. You create an incentivization program, re rewards and consequences, right? This is what's in it for you, right? So, and then it's training and equipping, right? So you spent time with this trainer and train them how to train. Okay, listen, we're, we're talking about functional fitness here. I want to make sure that these people are doing this functional fitness to strengthen their spine and nervous system, right? So this is not just, hey, you know, we're just running a weight loss class. We're not just doing guts and butts so we look good in a bikini. All of that is the natural consequence of being a healthy human being. God is good, right? Healthy is the new sexy. But what we wanted to teach them was, listen, I need you to work with me, not work against me with your chiropractic care. So these movements, these functional movements, we're going to train your core so that your body gets stronger and you hold your adjustments better so you get more out of your chiropractic care. Everybody hears what I'm doing there, right? You're, you're tying it back to the principle and building more value for the chiropractic care. It's not an instead of, it's not a or conversation, it's an and conversation, right? So all the clarity is in place and you trained this doctor to do this really well. You Excuse me, you trained this trainer to be able to do it really well. So now it's like, okay, so next step is you got to create metrics and a metric tracking system and a reporting system because if you're going to delegate this away, what you're giving away or what you're surrendering is the control that comes with the visibility of doing, doing, doing. So all of us as owner operators have had the experience where we got to enjoy the total control. I knew exactly what was happening. I knew when it was happening, where it was happening, who was it happening with. I knew the quality, right? I had my hands all over it, right? So that is one of the rewards that you get as an owner operator, as the person who's head down, bum up, delivering the value. You get to have that control. And that's the thing we really, really dislike giving away. 
yep, we're going to have to give up some of the money, right? Because we have to use our money to buy that person's time, energy, focus, and talent. But what we really dislike is giving away the visibility into what's happening, right? So if you really get down to the core of it, we hate giving up visibility. And this is the power behind the metrics tracking. Yeah. And we say that, you know, as a CEO, information flows to you. And this is a critical piece is that, you know, you set this process up with the metrics and the, the tracking so that the information flows to you, which is going to, which is going to feed really well into the next step, which is the meeting rhythms. But the first thing that needs to be done is we need to identify what are the metrics that matter, right? Because, you know, you don't get what you want, you get what you measure in your business. And so if the outcome is, revenue as one of them, which is always is. Okay, so what are the metrics that we need to we need to measure? What's the revenue metrics we're measuring? And then of course, going back to the scorecard uh, example and expectations agreements and way up to the top, which is what are the things that are going to drive the outcome? Step number one, step number two, all the way back to, okay, what's driving that outcome? What are the activities, the actions that are going to drive revenue? If that's one of the metrics. If another one is, we talked about, you know, in my example was, and the number of people that were coming to the classes. So what we started with was we did one class. When we opened our fitness center, we were doing classes six days of the week. Guess what happened? All of a sudden, oh, wow. So I have a trainer that's, that's going to be here, that's going to be paid. We need to fill these, make sure these classes are being filled. So now it became a stressor because we realized that for me to have a fitness center, which means we have all this now taking on all this additional overhead. I've now got trainers. They need to fill their book of business. We need to fill each one of these classes. We knew we need to have at least, because we were doing these uh, small group classes. We, if we didn't have seven people in a class, that class was not making money. So now you know, like if for us, it's a minimum of 10 people sign up for a class. We know our capacity is like 20, 25 would be really stretching. If you get 20 in a class, that's a sweet class, super profitable. The energy is awesome. And, um, and again, it's just an awesome, awesome place to be as far as our capacity, what we were trying to create. And, you know, so we knew from a number standpoint, for example, every class that we did, we knew we needed to have a minimum seven people was where we were going to be just breaking even, uh, on that class. So our goal was every single class that the goal is to have 10. So one of the things that we did as an example to this process of using metrics was, we started with a, a bunch of classes and different times, and we found that the times that were the filling up the most, we kept those, and we actually got rid of times where we weren't able to hit our number. We weren't hitting our numbers. We found the 5.30 a.m. class was, was great, but the 7 o'clock class wasn't, but the 8.30 was. So we got rid of the 7, we got, kept the 5.30, and we, get, we got the 8.30 because we had a lot of people were dropping their kids off at school and then showing up to work out at 8.30, then you had the people that were the early birds like me, who were the 5.30 a.m. class, who were doing stuff before the day even got started. So we knew that the 5.30 time and the 8.30 time were good, but we got rid of the seven time. What did we do? We used metrics. We used the data, the report that said, hey, we could keep doing it because we fell in love with the five people that come at seven and we love them. We don't want to let them down, right? We have this emotional connection, but no, we use the metrics. We use the numbers to say, hey guys, we had a, we had a real great discussion with them. Hey, I know you love the seven o'clock class. You 12 or 13 people throughout the week that do that. Hey, we're not going to be able to continue the seven, but the great news is we've got this and this and love for you to get that. And by the way, you could come to the 4.30 PM after you get off of work as well. So, you know, we just had to make those decisions, but it boiled down to, it wasn't the highest and best use of our time. The metrics and data showed us we were losing money on those classes. 
Uh, we just we weren't tracking. So why? how do we know that? We tracked it. We knew what it took for us to have a profitable class. We knew the metrics we needed to measure as one example. We tracked it. We got reporting on it. And based on that, we can make a great decision. That's just an example of one of the things that we did, leveraging metrics and tracking to be able to make decisions for the business. We'll be back to my conversation with Dr. Steven right after this. Hey, Doc, if you're looking to create a business and not a job, then you're going to need a predictable and systematic way to produce a steady flow of new patients. You're going to have to create a plan that you can execute and get your team to execute with you. A great team is equipped, trained, and excited to promote your care and grow your practice. Great teams are made, they are developed, and this is totally achievable. The best place for you to achieve this over a short period of time is at the Remarkable Practice Attraction Immersion. Coming up April 3rd and 4th, 2020 in Chicago, over a course of two powerful days, you will learn how to create a steady flow of new patients on a consistent basis. This will relieve your stress, double your impact, and increase your collections. Let's put a proven system to work for you. Through the month of March, podcast listeners only are going to get $100 off their immersion ticket. That's right, you and two of your team members will be able to join Dr. Steven and I and our remarkable team of expert trainers and coaches. To grab this special deal, go to www.theremarkablepractice.com forward slash events and use the promo code immersion2020. That's theremarkablepractice.com forward slash events. Use the promo code immersion2020, I-M-M-E-R-S-I-O-N 2020. Do not pass up on this deal because it ends March 31st. I cannot wait to meet you in person in Chicago. Yeah, so let's remember, it's the tracking systems, it's the metrics, it's the reporting systems that give us visibility into the business, right? So remember, what, we, what we're what we desiring is visibility because that, again, gets back to the control and the peace of mind, right? So what are we afraid of? We're afraid of things that we don't understand, right? If we, do, if, we, if we can see the reporting and we're facing the brutal facts of what's going on real time, that's why CEOs need to have their reporting systems and have data flow to them, right? So you shouldn't be looking for it. You should have it flowing to to CEOs require that the information flows to you. So you're making data-driven decisions like in Dr. Pete's example. So, you know, if the reporting system creates visibility, the meeting rhythms create the accountability that we want, right? So in my example with the outside speaking program, as I said in the last podcast and last episode, I was talking about, you know, here are the metrics that, that we identified as the things that matter. We're going to measure things that matter that produce the outcomes that we're trying, the desired outcomes. So we knew in order to get more new patients from outside talks, we had to do more outside talks, which means we needed to generate more relationships, which means that we needed to do more networking. So we're going upstream from the desired outcome. The metrics that mat- mattered were captured on a scorecard. And that scorecard, we'd sit down and have meetings around this and we'd say, okay, so number one, how many networking events did you attend, right? So we set a goal of one per week, so 13 a quarter. And we want you to come away with leads. So let's do three leads per event. So three times 13, this 39, there's your goal, 39 leads per quarter. 
And then we want you to schedule one talk per week. This or this, 13 talks per week. And we want at least to have 10 people in the audience that are qualified people. So there, now we're doing 130 leads, right? So there's 130 butts in seats. And then we want a 50% conversion rate. So it's like, okay, so we want 65 new patients that are paid day ones. Can you guys see how it's like we are breaking this thing down to the point where it's like, okay, yeah. So we know exactly what's expected. It's all written down. It's all captured. And then we had a metrics tracking report that we'll use called the new business development report, which is the report that they would sit down at the meeting and say, okay, I'm tracking my activity and I'm, and I'm, and I'm producing this report for you. It's populated report that says, we're not just going to sit there and go, so how's it going, Pete? (laughs) Oh, it's going good. Really? Oh yeah. How's it going? Oh yeah, no, I'm working hard. Oh, really good. And and how's that going? Oh, it's really good. You know, it's like I've been busy, right? So those are the conversations that happen when you don't have metrics, right? And those conversations suck. You want to get me all riled up, man? Have that conversation with me. I'm like, I'm already out of the room, right? So I, what I want to hear is, okay, so doc, how's it going? And I want to be able to look at that metrics report and be like, here were my activities last week. These were my goals. These were my outcomes. I was on goal, ahead of goal, behind goal, and this is why, and this is what we learned. This week, these are my activities. These are my goals for outcomes. This is where I need support, right? And then next week, these are my projected activities. This is what I've got scheduled, and these are my goals, and this is where I need support or training, what have you. Do you guys see it? There's, you know, we don't use emotion. We use metrics, right? So this reporting system is absolutely critical. Dr. Pete, it's so critical. Let's just give this thing away. Why don't we give away the new business development report? Is that something that, you know, let's just put a link down below here and have that as a resource uh, for our listeners. Uh, this it's, it's a simple report, but the difference it makes to be able to have something where you're a new business development expert or the person that you've delegated this responsibility to has a place where they can actually capture this data and talk about increasing your visibility into their activity and also their accountability into doing what they agreed on. Yeah. I mean, this is gold here. And as a CEO, you know, like death by meetings, you know, some of you are listening and you're like, okay, so we're doing more meetings. Yeah. So for me, as my example, so with this business, I completely delegated it. I had a whole team that ran this business and I, my engagement in the business was 5.30 AM workouts where I was a participant and my weekly meeting where we would meet. And I did some trainings with them as well. So it was a training and then a, and then a weekly meeting. That was my touch. So as I worked out, I had my weekly meeting and I had my weekly training. I delegated the responsibility to people that weren't used to that higher level of accountability. And it was interesting when, you know, because they weren't, I had ended up hiring people that were from outside, like they worked in other fitness centers, other gyms, like the YMCA and other gyms. And I brought them into ours. And I said, this is the culture that we have. And, and I started teaching them, like we do weekly trainings and we do weekly meetings. And when you meet, we report and there's these reporting, these statistics that I want to know. And it was, it was really, I, I remember watching them get turned on just to the fact of how to run a business and how to run a gym. Like, wow, this is so much better than any of the other experiences I've ever had. And what was, what was awesome was, you know, we, we, I was training them how to run their business because a lot of them had separate training they were doing. They were all personal trainers. They were training other gyms and things like that throughout the week. So they started running their own personal businesses better because of what they were able to do working with our business. And so the team meeting rhythm, number one is it's set in stone. It's never missed. We always do it. So number one is you set the meeting rhythm. 
whatever that meeting rhythm, it could be a weekly cadence, could be a monthly cadence, depending on what you're delegating and how often the rhythm needs to be, but set your rhythm and that thing is blocked, solid yellow lines, we don't miss it. Okay, so that's number one is set the meeting rhythm. Number two is create an agenda that actually you follow with the rhythm. So, or in, in the meeting, so that it's not, hey, how's it going? But if I walk in and say, how's it going? They know exactly what that means. It means let's start at the top. Let's walk through the agenda. Here's, we'll tell you exactly how it's going. Um, so set an agenda for that meeting. That's how you have remarkable team meetings and remarkable meetings are built on structure where, again, there's a reporting time, there's a discussing time, you discuss issues, and then the third is there's a decision time. So you've got reporting, discussing, and deciding, right? So that's the three parts of every great meeting is what do we get? So that's where you say, hey, bring the data, where are we at? Let's talk about any issues, and then let's do action steps leaving this meeting today. That's the decisions, right? So what are we going to be working on leaving between now and our next meeting? We set the expectations. Hey, I'm going to be coming back with this many new leads because I know I've been averaging this many, but I'm, I'm recommitting to this. I'm actually going to go for an extra one per week. So my goal is to come back next month instead of 12, I'm coming back with 16 or whatever. So you do that, make those decisions during the meetings. And then again, you follow up. So the team, the meeting rhythm is critical. Once you've established the metrics, they all come and land in a place where, where they're discussed, they're viewed. So visibility becomes accountability when it lands in this meeting. So what you see is what you get. So what you see, again, is what you, you now can start to leverage that. And again, the meeting rhythms is absolutely vital to success here. Yeah. And in that meeting, you know, if it's a prearranged meeting and they're in a re- rhythm, you're not just having meetings when there's a problem, right? So it's not like, hey, we need to have a meeting on that, right? So that's why, you know, meetings, you know, are either largely a waste of time or it's, man, we've got an issue and we've got a problem. We need to discuss it, right? So the problem is, is that you didn't have proper training in the front end and you didn't set up expectations and agreements and you didn't set up reporting systems and meeting rhythms, (laughs) you know, so now, you know, shit goes sideways and you're surprised, right? So this is an equation, guys. This is a recipe for success. And I really hope that you've listened to these 10 steps because at the end of the day, you're going to sit there and you'll be like, okay, so If in this production equation, we say, okay, so this planning, this preparing, this executing and assessing this, every step of this process lives in there, right? So you're literally, now we're at this point where we're like, we're assessing, okay, during those meetings, we've set it up and now it's time for assessment, real-time assessment. We don't just wait. So once a year or four times a year, we get together and we assess how things are going. It's just part of our conversation as a CEO. Everybody that interacts with you knows exactly what we're going to be talking about. We know exactly what's expected. We know exactly what a win looks like. We know what's being measured, right? We know what's expected. It's expectations and agreements. Part of that is we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about it. We're going to assess. How's it going? We're on goal. We're ahead or we're behind. And we decide, do we continue? Do we repeat? Just keep going. Awesome. Great. How can I support you? Let's repeat. Or do we need to pivot? In other words, we change our strategy or maybe it's time to change the person that's doing it. Yeah, and I think that the, the power of this whole, this whole delegation methodology is we talk about how this is the difference between going from an owner-operator to the CEO and just using the example that I gave, what started as this big vision that I had started with me with two people doing a class because they had, both of them were pastors in a church. They were both on a, a handful of medication. They knew they needed a whole life transformation. So I started doing that. It turned into hundreds of people. It turned into actual business where we were running 20 classes a week. It turned into 
me turning that business over to other people and then it turned into me selling that business. And I made a graceful exit out of that business and profitable exit. And you know, when you think about the four seasons, we go launch, build, scale, and exit. And for me, with that business itself, following the delegation methodology, it enabled me to journey through all four seasons of a business successfully because I walked through and followed this methodology. And so as you envision this and you think about how will this apply to your own business moving forward, listen, start with the end in mind. We talk about that, that you build it to sell it, that you want to have an, an asset on your hand because one day you will make an exit. The regard, reality is, is docs and everybody who's listening, one day you will exit. If you want that exit to be a profitable one, if you want that one to be a, a one that's enjoyable for you, that's a win-win where you leave a legacy, you set this up right, you do delegation really well, you're going to be transferring an asset to the next person who's going to be taking on what you're leaving behind. So as you look about at your own career and where you're at in your journey between launch, build, scale, and exit, remember the delegation methodology is something that's going to help you bridge the gap between owning, operating, and being the CEO and scaling, and then one day and eventually exiting well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.